A lot of things are coming to an end in the next couple of days. Just as we'll be recording, commemorating the birth of a new secular or calendar year this coming week, it happens to coincide this year with the, the closing of the book of Genesis, the end of Breshit. Is this Shabbos, Parshat Vayichi? And so it's important to look at the end of things as well as the beginning in order to, to understand, to make sense. So part of me wanted to do a year in review or a Breshit in review. But I really don't have to because this week's Parsha, in its closing, in one small scene, gives us two of the most essential lessons of the entire Torah, maybe of all spiritual literature, certainly of the biblical stories of Genesis. The scene is Joseph and his brothers who, as many of you know, if you've been following years ago, in fact, 17 years to the day. Joseph has been reconciled with his brothers, and 17 years ago he had forgiven them. And they had all lived amicably as a family, sort of. And now in this week's reading, Jacob will die. And upon Jacob's death, the brothers are afraid. They come to Joseph after Jacob's death, now do not worry or feel guilty because you sold me, he says to them. God has sent me ahead of you to save lives. What did they say? They said, now that Jacob has died, he promised us, he swore us to tell you not to harm us. It doesn't say that anywhere in the text. There is some textual allusion to that some connection between Jacob and Joseph in their last conversation having to do with the blessing. Joseph is blessed with his brothers. Implicitly, Jacob saying, you have to get along with your brothers. But nowhere explicitly does Jacob say to the brothers, tell Joseph when I die that he better be careful not to touch you. Evidently, and Joseph surmises this, the brothers are anxious. They're worried. Isn't it true, they wonder, that in a previous bad relationship between brothers, namely their father Jacob and his twin brother Esau, Esau had made a promise that when his father Isaac would die, then he would take revenge. Revenge is all the rage in the theaters today. Revenge, Les Miserables, right? Zero Dark, whatever, 30, Django, revenge, terror. The possibility the brothers contemplate is that Joseph too will take revenge. They're anxious that his words of forgiveness in the past may not have been sincere. He may simply have been biding his time, waiting for the appropriate moment. After Jacob's death, the brothers come to Joseph and ask him. And here's what Joseph says. Majestic in its generosity. Listen. Don't be afraid. Am I in place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. 
the book of Genesis, which began with a freely acting creator God, different from all of the other Near Eastern gods, this God acts of his own accord, freely doing as he pleases, ends with the greatest possible act of human freedom, which is forgiveness. The freedom to forgive is the greatest attribute that we have. Greater than our cognitive capacities, our ability to go to the moon, to write novels, even to fix fiscal cliffs. The ability to forgive is indeed divine, and it is what makes us unique. Because we are free, we may act in a way that is not predetermined completely by the last moment. We are free to transform. And as free to transform, we are free to forgive. It shouldn't surprise us that the book of Genesis should end with forgiveness. After all, the book of Genesis is a book of principles. It is a book of commitments. A book of, this is what Judaism or biblical Judaism believes is true. Forgiveness as an act of great courage and unparalleled affirmation of our unique capacity to be moral agents. We are not pre-programmed. We don't come out of the box with that hardware, that software. We can change what comes in the next moment. Hannah Arendt, in her book, The Human Condition, said it this way. She said there's a connection between forgiveness and time. Human action, she argues, is potentially tragic. We can never foresee the consequences of our acts, but once done, they cannot be undone. We know that. We know that he who acts never quite knows what he is doing, that he always becomes guilty of consequences never intended or even foreseen, that no matter how disastrous the consequences of your deed, you can never undo it. And all of this is reason enough to turn away with despair, she writes, from the realm of human affairs and to hold in contempt the human capacity for freedom. But what transforms human situations from tragedy to hope, she writes, is the possibility of forgiveness. Without being forgiven, released from the consequences of what we have done, our capacity to act would, as it were, be confined to one single deed from which we could never recover. Forgiving, in other words, is the only reaction which does not merely react, but acts anew and unexpectedly, unconditioned by the act which provoked it, and therefore freeing from its consequences both the one who forgives and the one who is forgiven. Atonement and forgiveness and time. How does time play in? Only those who can forgive can free themselves from the past and actualize a potency for the future. The second spiritual power, the sp second spiritual, let's call it, shall we say, capacity, is the capacity not only to forgive but to leave the story unfinished. To leave the story unfinished means that there isn't necessarily an end. 
that we can see. There's a hope that we can dream. Something unique that Jonathan Sachs, the chief rabbi of Britain, points out about the Bible is that unlike any other piece of literature, there are unique features about the Bible. But one of the most unique features, unlike any other body of literature, is that there is no resolution in biblical stories. The Bible doesn't come to an easy resolution. The oft-asked question that I just got this week for the first time from my son, which I was waiting years to hear, was, are we there yet? Are we there yet? The Bible is a book of, are we there yet? And we never quite get there. Moses on Mount, on Har Nevo, on Mount Nevo, overlooking the Promised Land, doesn't quite get there. In the end of the book of Genesis, we are exactly where we began 50 chapters earlier. Abraham, right, in exile, hearing the voice of God, about to go into a land that God will show him, and here we are. Is Abraham settled in the land? Is Jacob settled in the land? No. They're in the land of Egypt. The book will close tomorrow. A coffin will close over Joseph. And we have no idea, other than the fact that we know the story, what will be. To be able to forgive is Joseph's unique gift. To be able to forgive is of utmost importance if the Jewish people are to succeed in becoming a nation. If brothers can't learn to get along, what hope can there be amongst clans? What hope can there be amongst tribes? What hope can there be amongst political parties, blue and red? To end the year and to end, indeed, the book of Genesis with forgiveness is to remind us that what was isn't necessarily what might be. And lastly, I wanted to say this, that the Torah's agenda, the Torah's agenda in leaving open the future is also part of the story of Joseph. Because Joseph says, I didn't know what would have taken place. I had no idea. The Midrash says that the, just a little insight here, the Midrash says, why did the brothers worry that Joseph was going to exact revenge on them? What, what tipped them off? Something for 17 years, everything was great. And all of a sudden, 17 years, Jacob dies. I said that they were worried. But what specifically, says the Midrash, happened? So here's the story. When the brothers and, jo and Joseph went back to the land of Canaan in order to bury their father, on the way back they stopped. And the Midrash says they stopped by the pit that the brothers threw Joseph into. You get that? So here they are walking by the pit, the brothers, and they're looking at the vice president of the most powerful nation in the world, who happens to be their brother whom they threw into that pit, exactly. And he's standing, says the Midrash, over the pit in deep, contemplative silence. And you can only imagine what the brothers are thinking. Well, let me tell you what they were thinking. We're dead. <laughs> it's over. But what was, jo what was Joseph thinking, everybody? Because you and me, were all Joseph. What was Joseph thinking? He's thinking, that's where I was, but look at where I am. If I hadn't been there, I wouldn't be where I am. Did I know when I was in the pit that is the Midrash says was filled with scorpions and 
Did I know? Did I know what God had in store for me? And so Joseph, whom the brothers imagined are thinking these thoughts of revenge, is thinking thoughts of hope, of forgiveness, and deeply of faith. And that's how he responds, everybody. He says to them, I didn't know, and neither do you. We end the book of Genesis with forgiveness, with an open end, and more deeply with faith. Faith is not an idea that the mind can possess, but an idea that possesses the mind. Faith is all-encompassing. Faith and trust are the earliest expressions of our relationship with the world. And so as the book of Genesis closes and the ark around Joseph's body closes, and we are about next week and the weeks after to hear about the slavery of the Jewish people, of their vicissitudes and their darkness, we are closed with this parting message. Joseph can forgive. The future is unknown. And how we ride into the future is with faith. It can be difficult when we come to the end of what was a very challenging year to look back and find ways to forgive. It can be difficult looking back to find ways to have faith. And it can be difficult to walk into the unknown future knowing that we have a hand in so much that might transpire but that we are at its, also at its mercies. The Berdichever, the great Rebbe from Berdichever once said, Ribbono Shalom, God, master of the universe, master of all dimensions, I do not ask to know why I suffer, but only this. Help me to know deep in my bones, he said, that when I suffer, I suffer for you. That when I suffer, I suffer for meaning, for purpose. Help me to see beyond the limited egoic construct, the story that I spin. God, give me a bigger perspective so that I may rest in faith, in you and in the world. So I want to give you a bracha. As Jacob blessed his sons, I want to bless you. That as Breshit closes, and as this year comes to an end, may the Holy One of Blessing, the freely acting one who has given each of us the capacity to act also with great freedom and great latitude, bless you and me that in the moments ahead we have faith the faith that leads towards forgiveness and that we trust in an open-ended nature of what will be. May God bless us and may God bless each of you. Amen. Amen. Amen.